This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer. I'm Christine Ross, in for Libby's Nimer. With an aging population, Canada is bracing for a wave of new cases of Alzheimer's and dementia. There's a groundbreaking program that allows caregivers to feel what it's like to live with the disease. I speak with the lead trainer of Virtual Dementia Tour. And next time you clean out the fridge and throw that head of lettuce or yogurt in the compost or trash, think about this fact. 60% of food Canadians throw away could have been consumed. And there's now a movement gaining momentum to change our attitude about food waste. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Crossing the border this summer? Here's some advice. Leave your smartphone at home. Whether going to the U.S. or coming home to Canada, People have very limited rights when it comes to having your electronic devices searched, and it's happening. Some privacy experts say, unfortunately, there's nothing you can do about it, so be prepared. Border officials have the power to conduct searches on a whim and request passwords. If you choose to bring your phone and laptop while traveling and you don't want the risk of getting searched, you're advised to delete all your apps, documents and texts and store them on the cloud. A New Zealand company switched to a four-day work week, and the results were surprisingly successful. The 240 employees at a company that handles wills and trusts worked an eight-hour day, but were offered either Friday or Monday off with no cut in pay. After just two months, productivity rose or stayed the same. Workers were less stressed, less concerned about family issues outside work, and felt stronger in terms of leadership and commitment. Zoomers grew up reciting this catchy jingle. To all patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, all sesame seed bun. Thanks to that popular TV jingle, we all remember the ingredients of McDonald's iconic Big Mac. The double-decker burger turned 50 this week. The milestone for the Big Mac comes as McDonald's reduces the number of U.S. restaurants. A Newfoundland woman used her obituary to make a final plea to stop so-called fat-shaming by the medical profession. 64-year-old Ellen Maud Bennett died in May after being diagnosed with inoperable cancer and given just days to live. In her obit, Bennett said she had one final message to share about the way she was treated after years of feeling unwell and being told she should lose weight. Her dying wish was that women of size advocate for their health and not simply accept that fat is the only relevant health issue. Since the obit was published in July, there's been widespread support on Twitter as people relate to Bennett's experience. Alex, I'll choose who is retiring for 100. Zoomer and veteran game show host Alex Trebek is hinting he may soon retire from the wildly popular show Jeopardy! The Canadian was interviewed this week about his legendary career and says when his contract expires in two years, there's a 50-50 chance he'll leave the show. When asked about his possible replacement, Trebek offered up another Alex, 
L.A. King hockey announcer Alex Faust. At 85, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has confirmed she'll stay on the bench another five years. She announced the news this week after taking in a play in New York about the life of late Justice Antonin Scalia. Justice Ginsburg has been a powerful role model to women around the world. Think about how you would like the world to be for your daughters and granddaughters. Justice Ginsburg says exercising regularly and eating well is the reason she's working well into her 80s. I'm Christine Ross, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's called Virtual Dementia Training, and it allows the user to escape into the often confusing world of dementia. Recently, some members of the Zoomer advocacy group CARP experienced this virtual reality training and found it impactful. The program has been delivered worldwide about two million times and is slowly rolling out in Canada. Kim Greer is the lead trainer in Canada. The Virtual Dementia Tour is an amazing evidence-based training program that is, it basically gives a person dementia. So we have facilitators that run you through certain tasks and have you dressed up in some patented gear. And what we do to you and how it's done tricks a person's brain into believing that they have dementia. So the entire tour takes roughly 20 minutes from start to finish. And then after that, there's a wonderful debrief session where you get to sit and talk about what went on and how you can use that experience of feeling what it's like to have dementia and say to yourself, okay, how could I take that and translate into taking care of somebody with dementia. So when you're in that altered virtual state, I think many people are surprised to learn that there are more things to deal with, more obstacles to deal with than just sort of the foggy confusion. Tell me about some of the other symptoms that people can experience while they're going through this training. So dementia, the easiest way to describe it is messages not getting to where they need to go in the brain because there's cell death in the brain, there's you know parts of the brain aren't working anymore. So because your brain deals with everything in your body, it's not just the confusion of not being able to remember something. A person with dementia isn't able to filter information the same way that you and I. So if you have three different noises coming at you, say there's a doorbell ringing, a phone ringing, and then somebody says, hey, Kim, it's lunchtime, let's go, I can't filter out that information to say what's more important than the other. So we give you information during this tour that you can't filter out, that's hard to not pay attention to. We do that with sounds, we do that with sense of touch, and it's really, really powerful experience. Some members of the Zoomer advocacy group CARP have taken the training and they've called it impactful at the end. What are people telling you, caregivers telling you after they've taken the training? Some of the most interesting things that I hear are people say, I thought I knew about dementia. I thought I knew, you know, how to help this individual. After going through that, I have a better understanding of what this person is dealing with and how I can help them. It's amazing to me that it's such a short amount of time that a person goes through the tour, but it has such an impact on being able to sort of internalize, this is really what's going on with somebody with dementia. I also have family caregivers going through this experience, and one of the most common things I hear from family caregivers is, I've been doing it wrong all these years. And I want to point out that absolutely not. You've not been doing it wrong. You've been doing it the way that you knew to do it, 
with the best information you had at the time. Why is it important now that caregivers need to know what's going on in their life? How does it alter the way that they care for their loved ones? You know, dementia is, you know, I can say, here's how you take care of somebody with a broken leg. There's a specific protocol and, you know, there's pain management, also different sorts of things. Dementia is something that affects each individual differently based on who they are and how they've made it through their life so far. Personality, all those different sorts of things. And so this tour allows somebody to say, you know what, I kind of get what my family member's going through. So the next time that I think he's being stubborn and not listening to me, maybe it's that there's too much noise going on and I'll turn the TV off before I talk to him. You know, maybe it's not this person intentionally not wanting to do things or intentionally asking me the question 17 times. I understand now because of what I went through during that experience. Compassion, patience is something that a lot of folks say, I'm going to test. And that's, you know, taking just a little bit more time, slowing down just a little bit and a little bit more, yeah, compassion and understanding that I'm doing the best that I can to help this person who's doing the best they can given what's going on in their brain. How um, widespread will this sort of training become for not only caregivers, but family members, doctors, everyone within the medical community? I mean, in my mind, I think this is something that every person, period, should go through. Whether or not they have somebody with dementia that they know, that they're caring for, that they work in the field, because of the aging population, because of more people being diagnosed with dementia, everybody, everybody at some point in their life will come across somebody with dementia. And so hopefully it will give family members, staff, healthcare professionals a bit more understanding of this is how I can approach this differently in the future to try to make things better for people with dementia. I've seen some people at the end of this and they're in tears and they're overcome with emotion just to realize exactly what their loved one is going through. It's that transformative. It's amazing to me how incredibly transformative this is because, again, your brain gets tricked into believing you have dementia. So for the time that you're going through this, you are, Tim, a person with dementia trying to make it through the day. And for some people, having that insight into, oh my gosh, I was only doing this for a short amount of time, and people with dementia live like this, that's sometimes where the impact comes from. If people are interested, how do they get involved? Well, if they would like to check out my website, which is DementiaTraining.ca, I am the Canadian international partner for this evidence-based program. And so I also have a care management agency in Montreal called Agence Viva working with me as well so we can provide the tour in French. So um, email me, check out the website, and we will do our best. We're just starting to make a concerted effort in Canada to get this across the country. That was Kim Greer, an expert in aging and the lead trainer with the Virtual Dementia Program. I'm Christine Ross, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, food waste. Canadians are among the biggest offenders. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Here's a startling fact. On average, Canadians throw out about $1,100 worth of edible groceries each year. In fact, we're among the worst when it comes to food waste. Even Pope Francis weighed in on the issue this week, telling faithful to eat their leftovers or donate them. 
A new national campaign launched in a number of cities last week, including Toronto, to change the way we think about food. Vince Ferrazza is a waste management policy planner with the city. We are throwing out, unfortunately, edible food. And by that, I mean food that could still be eaten. Um, It's not at a stage where it can be put in the green bin. We are talking primarily about produce. We're talking about the cucumbers, the head of lettuce, the uh, head of uh, broccoli or cauliflower that you have in your fridge that you forgot about, the apples, the bananas that you have on your counter at home that you let get rather dark, over-ripened, in addition to other products, dairy products, yogurts, cheeses, and, of course, also foods such as deli meat or other uh, poultry and fish. So, But the primary category we're talking about is fruits and vegetables. Okay, so there is this Love Food, Hate Waste initiative now underway in Canada. Toronto is part of it. So what are you trying to let consumers know about how we can change our food habits? Right. So it's going to be a communications campaign uh, where we're going to utilize all forms of communication, traditional and uh, non-traditional social media, where we're going to focus on changing the behavior of our residents. And we're going to try to change the behavior using three key messages. One, when you buy your food, keep it fresh. Store your food properly so it stays longer. Use it up. Use more of what you actually buy. And the last point is plan it out. Buy just what you need. So if you only need four bananas, don't buy six. And if you're going to purchase uh, dairy products, make sure you have it properly stored in your fridge. By all means, use up every banana, every strawberry you have in your fridge. Um, If you don't want to eat it, put it in your smoothie, Um, put it in your cereal uh, or whatnot. But uh, those are the three key messages that we are going to get across to hopefully change behavior of our residents when it comes to reducing food waste. And why should we care about reducing our food waste? Well, we should care for a variety of reasons. Number one, the environment. Um, By reducing uh, food waste, we will be able to reduce the amount of waste that goes to our landfill. And we only have a finite capacity of space in our landfill. So we need to ensure that we are able to extend the lifespan because finding additional disposal or landfill space is extremely problematic, uh, very difficult, and very costly. It does also have other environmental impacts. So by reducing one ton of household food waste, it's like taking one car off of the road in terms of greenhouse gas reduction. In addition to that, there's the economic reasons why we should reduce food waste. It costs annually about $1,000 a year per household uh, on the amount of food they waste. So it will be a positive impact on your wallet. If you're able to reduce your food waste, you will save money. So there are a whole variety of reasons, good reasons, why we should be able to reduce the amount of food waste. Lifestyles have changed. We now have more people who are purchasing already prepared made foods. We have more two-income families. People are more busy. 
and they have children that are engaged in extracurricular activities. So one thing that I find is that what retailers are doing are providing more options when it comes to prepared foods in addition to the foods they've always provided. There's a whole host of additional options available, and I believe it's in response to the fact that our lifestyles have changed. Will we go back to where we'll be preparing our, our own salads and preparing every meal by scratch? Perhaps not, but I certainly hope that this campaign will, at a minimum, have people rethink what do they purchase. So when they do go to the stores and they see all those hosts of options, perhaps they'll reconsider buying the additional bag of lettuce or additional prepared foods because they may never just get to it. They may never be eaten. I think it's imperative upon us that we become wise shoppers. And uh, we certainly hope that this campaign will help us in making wise decisions. So how long will the campaign last and what is the ultimate goal? Is there a specific goal other than the three things that you've outlined? Toronto has signed up for three years. So our term is a three-year agreement as part of this campaign. We would like to see tangible evidence. So by that I mean we would like to see less tons being collected within our waste stream. So the ultimate goal is to see, in fact, that we're able to pick up less food, and we'll measure that. And ultimately, as well, seeing that more material is diverted out of landfill. That's fantastic. Vince, thank you so much for this. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. That was Vince Sferazza, Waste Management Policy Planner with the City of Toronto. I'm Christine Ross, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, a Canadian crooner whose hits span decades celebrated a birthday this week. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomers worldwide. I'm Christine Ross. It's time for your International Arts Date Book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Bob Comsick. William Kentridge's epic performance art about Africa's forgotten World War I victims had its world premiere at Tate Modern in London. The renowned South African artist says it's been an eye-opening experience. The Head and the Load will be performed in Germany in August and in New York in December. One person's junk is another person's treasure. Tucked away deep in the French countryside, an artist known as the Scrap Metal Poet is creating quirky animated sculptures, musical fountains, and more from Scrap Metal. 65-year-old Robert Coudray's workshop features 70 moving figures spread out over two and a half acres of land. He says it all started out of boredom. The Edinburgh International Festival celebrates its 71st anniversary this summer, featuring a new solo piece by choreographer Akram Khan called Xenos about a shell-shocked soldier. The festival runs through to the 27th. And in Australia, the Melbourne Art Fair returns. The region's most notable contemporary four-day art show started last night and features works from 50 galleries and will welcome 20,000 visitors. I'm Bob Komsik, and that's your International Arts Datebook. This week, one of Canada's great singer-songwriters celebrated his 77th birthday. Paul Anka was born in Ottawa July 30, 1941. 
As a young boy, he learned to sing in his local church choir, and when he reached high school, created a vocal trio called the Bobby Soxers. After school, Anka took off for New York City in 1957, set to break into the music business. He was quickly signed to ABC Records. It wasn't just his smooth voice that got him noticed, but also his ability to write songs. His first single was a song he wrote himself, and it shot to the top of both the U.S. and Canadian Billboard charts. Here it is from 1957, Diana. I'm so young and you're so old. That was Diana by Paul Anka, who celebrated his 77th birthday this week. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Christine Ross, in for Libby's Nimer. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.